Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, I'm Paco Romaine. And I'm George Chen. And today on SupDoc, we are recapping the classic 2008 documentary Anvil, the story of Anvil, directed by Sasha Gravasi, who is a teenage fan and Anvil roadie. This doc is tragic, brilliant, and hilarious, and as close to the real-life Spinal Tap as possible, and even involves a player named Rob Reiner. Canadian heavy metal band Anvil delivered an influential 1982 album that inspired the likes of Anthrax and Metallica. Then they dropped off the map and spent decades toiling in obscurity. The doc centers around guitarist Steve Lipskudlow and drummer Rob Reiner as they stumble through a European tour and reflect on failure, friendship, resilience, and following an impossible dream. Anvil, the story of Anvil, has a 98% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and should be on everyone's best of documentary list. It's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. And now here's our take on Anvil, the story of Anvil. Since where we yeah. learned how to play. Yeah. We're like brothers. We were just innocent kids. We didn't really know what we were doing. My name is Tiziana Rigoni, manager Anvil. It looks like she's booked us a tour. England, Belgium, Germany. This is going to be the biggest tour I've done in 20 years. Given your reputation, you should be playing for a thousand people every night. And you are not. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right. So, George, I am extremely excited to be talking about this documentary today. I love this documentary. Yeah, it's really good. And... I'd never seen it before. It's been brought up. It's uh, I had someone who said that they want to do this show, and this is a movie they wanted to do. Still hadn't seen it. And then finally watched it, just finished it right before we got on this call. And, yeah, great movie. Uh, not as much of a parody, or not, not, not parody, not as much of a farce or anything as I thought it was going to be. Really pretty oh. sincere movie. I guess oh, I, I didn't I didn't read enough reviews. I could have thought it was going to be just kind of like, you know, a little bit of like a goofy Canadians, you know? Oh, like new weird Canada. Like just like, uh, you know, like like uh, the Rick Moranis and uh, right. Dave Thomas br- brothers, but metalheads. But yeah. no, it's pretty uh, it's pretty sincere. 
I think that's why it still holds up today, and it took the world by storm when it came out in 2008. I mean, this doc was huge. I I saw it first on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I could not tell for maybe the first half hour if it was a spoof or not. Right, like, like an American Vandal type thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Which, by the way, if people haven't seen American Vandal, oh, yeah. the first season is amazing. Did not, and I didn't so get well very done. far into season two. Did you ever finish season two? No, it was season two. Season like one's so good. Cute. Season one's like it's so perfect. so perfect. Yeah. It's so good. And I met those guys at a Sketchfest after party, and I was like just Oh, like, the actors. The actors uh, in that, yeah. I was cheesing out. I like the history, the PE. Um, oh, Ryan of Flanagan. Yeah, he. Well, yeah, Ryan Flanagan and the other guy that was uh, kind of yeah. the heavy in it. And I was just like, oh man, I loved it. But Anvil has always been one of my all-time favorite docs, and it's like it's such a powerful, funny, moving, sincere movie it, it's kind of like some kind of monster's younger brother you know yeah it's like the stakes are are, are like the opposite of some kind of monster in a way but <laughs> yeah, yeah they're definitely good companion pieces to each other like i yeah. think like i was also thinking back to american movie right it's got a similar right. uh like I, is it david and goliath story it's just like it's very similar to american movie it's like sort yeah. of like People and like Toronto's a big city, so it wasn't as like I thought it was gonna be a little bit more of like a slice of like a weird, you know, like I don't know. I mean, I've also only been to like Vancouver and Calgary, I can't say a lot about the rest of Canada, but like Toronto is like a major metropolitan city, but they're just kind of like in this. There is a whole music industry in Canada, like this thing that like they kind of got screwed because they were Canadian. I'm like, maybe that was true in like 1984. But uh, Toronto is like the New York of of Canada, as far as I know. So it, it's strange that it didn't really work out for them. Uh, they there seem to be a lot of issues with their first record label, like Attic Records, which they didn't they didn't really get into the details of. But you hear any story about a band in the late seventies or through the eighties, it's usually got a, a bad record label story attached to the, re- the record label business hasn't changed since day fucking one i swear to god the first person to like be created to to, to construct the music industry was like i'm gonna fuck over everybody that's that's the model i'm gonna use well it, you yeah. know like the starting of this thing is just like the, the analogy is like they're on tour in japan with is it the scorpions bon jovi and yeah. White Snake. White Snake. And they're like, yeah. all those those three bands went on to be huge. And then there was Anvil, who had like the 7 p.m. slot. I'm just like, I've been in the 7 p.m. slot a lot. I've uh, been like, my yeah. whole career has been the 7 p.m. slot. I'm like, I'm like, just like, wow, this is like, they keep holding, like, I kind of get it, right? They were like, they dropped out of high school, right? To do this, basically, is what it sounds like. Uh, Lips yeah. and, and Rob. Uh, at least lips did so yeah like they got that taste it's like the child actor phenomenon right did you ever see this i'm i've just got so many digressions but did you ever see this thing where uh the guy who played bud bundy david faustino he had this uh-huh. like web series with corin nemec who played oh. uh parker lewis can't lose and it was about right. them it was like a a, a web series like kind of sitcom about these two like adult losers who were child actors. 
Wow. That hits close to home. Yeah. Yeah. That David Faustino. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. He, he tried to have a rap wow. career, I think, is part of it. Yeah. Oh, sure. That makes yeah. sense. That's a lateral move for sure. Yeah. Anvil is a, is in that same vein of like best friends with big dreams who try to conquer it all. And it just doesn't quite happen until someone makes a documentary about them. You know, well, thank God yeah. for that. And uh, I dug a little bit more into it. The guy who made the documentary, that's a really interesting uh there's a really interesting story like you did a little bit of research on that right you i didn't watch the interview you what would the interview with him talk about uh the interview i saw with him they basically say like how did you get involved and he tells the story of when he was 13 he went to an anvil show and went up to rob reiner robbo and was like you're the best drummer i've ever seen in my life you're my hero and i'm you're number one fan in england and um he became a roadie with them when he was like 15 he was a roadie and went all over uh like three different uh, countries and what ended up being like the drum tech for rob and then he moved to la to go to film school and had for kind of forgotten about them and 25 years later he was like you know i kind of wonder what so he went on their website and emailed them and was like hey you know just wondering whatever happened to you guys and i guess lips uh, hit him back like an hour later and was like, hey, hey, we, I remember you, you know, and that's kind of how it started. Do they have a falling out? I've read somewhere that there was a falling out. Maybe that was maybe oh. that was not addressed. I don't know. Uh, he doesn't mention yeah. that in the interview. Well, because he's but, promoting I mean, it at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, that, that guy is Sasha Gervasi is ended mm -hmm. up being super successful screenwriter. Like he wrote and journalist. Yeah, yeah. Journalist, screenwriter. He wrote that Spielberg movie, The Terminal. And uh, he also, this was his only documentary I think he's done. Obviously, he was a journalist. He has like, you know, a lot of other nonfiction work he's done as a writer. But then the other thing when I Googled him that came up is he is the father of uh, a child with Jerry Holloway, a.k.a. Ginger Spice. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like the number one thing. I think the number two thing is uh, after Anvil is is that father of child with Jerry Holloway, aka Ginger Spice, and it's like huh. yeah. Anyway, it's you can look it up yourself. It's like it's like gossip from two thousand six. Who cares, right? All right. Uh, he yeah. seems like very successful now. Uh, yeah. He is, well, like he did my dinner with Hervé, right? Which is based on him and his. Night with Hervé Villachev, the um, the the dwarf from the famous TV show, Fantasy um, Island. Uh, Fantasy Island, yeah. and I watched it not that long. Oh, you ago. did? I didn't know. Yeah. How is it? I didn't even know there. It's horrible. Oh. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. I really hope One he's of not the listening. Worst. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, this is I haven't this is seen creative critique. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's like. almost unwatchable. Oh. I love Peter Dinklage. Yeah, he's great. That's why I want. Yeah. yeah, and I've always been. I remember hearing. Maybe I read a piece about Hervé about like he was a crazy party. Yeah, he was just like Dionysus times a million. Mm -hmm. Like that was his thing. And so I was kind of interested, but uh, it was fairly horrible. Oh, into yeah. HBO, right? HBO. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'll, I'll maybe. I, I'm still curious about that type of format, like a, a movie about a guy who interviews a more famous guy. Like, did you see End right. of the Tour that David Foster Wallace? I movie? did. Kind of reminds yeah. me of like that format. It's such a weird thing about 
like you know just injecting yourself into the story again yeah. <laughs> twice yeah. yeah well and i enjoyed the end of the tour actually yeah i thought it was well done i i like I like David Foster Wallace. I've been a fan for a long time, and I enjoyed I enjoyed I that. Can't movie. say I've ever read uh, his big work, uh, Infinite Chess. Did you read it? Yeah, sure. Oh. You time. Yeah, you have. That's right. I forget that you have time to do things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, not everyone has a I job. I can barely or... like read like uh, the short story, the essays, the nonfiction essays I have of his. I've like read yeah. about a third of that one. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. We should. Has anyone made a good documentary about Dave Foster Wallace? I don't know if anyone has. A good document. About, about Dave Foster Wallace. Oh, I don't Wallace. know. They, they have this fictional version with Jesse Eisenberg and uh, of all people, uh, the guy from uh, Freaks and Geeks playing right. Dave Foster right. Wallace. Um, it's good. I, I, I liked it. I, I w- did. I hesitated watching it for quite a while, but I have a lot of time on my hands. And the other night I was like, ah, screw it. I'll watch it. And I, I ended up enjoying it. But, you know, it's on Netflix. If you guys want to check it out, let us know how you feel about it. Tweet at us. Uh, g- give us something on the, the old social media. However, let's dovetail back into Anvil. Metal on metal. Um, did you ever hear, have you ever heard of Anvil before this doc? No, I only heard about them because of this documentary, I think. And I think that it, I I got the impression it was sort of like the music wasn't necessarily good. Um, so I didn't like pursue it. And also it's not really the, the era of metal I particularly like. Um, but I, having watched it, I'm like, yeah, like I can see this, this is always a story, right? Someone's just as good as someone else. And something just doesn't click together and they're right. kind of left in the dust i mean what is it what is that though what is the glue what is the what is the sinew of success if you will sir like what it fascinates me and frustrates the hell out of me yeah i mean like like if you were anvil's manager in like oh 2000 God, that would be two awesome. or something like what could they have done differently right it's like kind of hard to really no, and I mean, I feel like I was working in the music industry around the time that this was made. I was working at an independent record label, and we had a lot of bands that were probably in a very similar boat where, like, there's just, like, they had some kind of success when they were, like, 20, and then they were, like, you know, in their 40s, right. 50s, trying to can stage a comeback. Can you tell us what that label is? Um, I, yeah, I can tell you. I'm not going to name any bands independently, but you can look at the roster and just kind of get the overall sense, which is I worked for Alternative Tentacles. It was uh, Jelly Biafra of the Dead Kennedys label. And yeah, there was like just some newer bands, but there are also a lot of bands that were just like kind of trying to stage a comeback like 25 years after they first formed and stuff like that. So it was just a lot. It was, a, it was just a lot of like th- there's this felt familiar, but I've, you know, I kind of identified with what they were going through and also identified with all the A&R people that were like, well, thank you for the CD. <laughs> you know, I, I could see all yeah. the sides of it. See, I did that. I was A&R oh, at a record really? label. So I was that guy. I remember people walking in with demos when I worked at Ohm Records, not so much at Ubiquity Records because those guys were assholes, but uh, at Ohm Records, it was a much lo- more loving place. And people would come in with demos all the time. But like just no one had been doing it. Like Ohm did a lot of like, well, like trance music and like dance music. It's dance, um, up tempo, uh, like uh, very house oriented like yeah. um cascade i worked with cascades my buddy we worked together there now he's a gigantic oh. 
DJing. But no one had been I, doing I, house music for 30 years and just came in with the CD, though, right? That no, would have been, that would no. have been something, yeah. That would have been something. However, at Ubiquity, that did oh, okay. happen where people, because we did like Q-Bop and Latin jazz and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, but it is true about like you, you listen to one track, man, and if you're not feeling it and it doesn't have the it factor, then it just goes on the other pile, you know? Yeah. And there's a whole other pile to go through. Yeah. And even the stuff that gets accepted, like the the hit rate of music is very bad. I mean, it's... It's sort of like it's very much a gambler's sport, I believe. And I'm I'm saying this oh, as man. someone who like w- was deep in it for a long time and is like sort of dipping my toes back into it. I'm actually going to put out some new music by some friends bands. Uh, yeah. Oh. Like and so I'm like watching this again and just being reminded like, oh, man, there's like this is like you really kind of just have to like like this for the sake of doing it (laughs) because there's that's what all art should be though no one gets into art for the right reasons it never seems or at least like uh, that's a very broad stroke but i mean like as far as like comedy acting music people get in to be rich and famous and if you if you do that you're fucked you're completely screwed yeah if that's your end game no i mean i think you have to like appreciate like process to really like be able to tolerate any of this stuff. Like if you can't handle yeah. the process, then you're just going to be because, because the, there's no guarantee of anything, even these like sort of newer young stars that are like, even like on the indie level, it's like someone whose father was like the head of A&R at like some record label or something right there. There's someone who's like got like a lot of juice behind them. That doesn't even guarantee things are going to hit. So no, it gets you into the door quicker, but you never know. But then once you get into the door, you have to deal with shitty managers, horrible promoters, bandmates that suck, audiences that don't show up, you know? Oh, man. Uh, we both know a lot of that from both music and comedy. So uh, speaking of shitty promoters, I think we should play this clip. Sorry, it's not really in English. <laughs> No, we're not getting fucking paid. Where's the fucking club owner? You are too late. If I was too late, I wouldn't have fucking played, pal. You're gonna fucking pay me. Most of people goes away. Most of people goes away. No, I did my full set. I did my work. I want to get paid. Sorry. Nobody call me. I am on the road. You should have told us you weren't paying us before we fucking played. You fucking fucking piece of shit. You fucking pay me. You're going to fuck us on the road. I'm going to fucking kick your fucking teeth. Are you crazy, man? Yeah, I am fucking crazy. I just worked my ass off and you won't fucking pay me. You're a motherfucker. Paco, you ever toured Europe? Never. Never, 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 never even. Here's here's what my first uh, red flag was when uh, she sends Lips the email of the itinerary and it's got a lot of open dates and just a couple of red dates and only a few of them say confirmed next to them. And he's he's like, yeah, it's going to be fifteen hundred euros a show. I'm like, "Okay, we'll see. We shall see if that is what happens. 
Well, you know, in this the interview that I listened to with the director, Sasha, he talks about Lip's naivete that he still has today, Mm -hmm. you know, like kind of just way too trusting and way too naive. And it's almost like, well, who's whose fault is that? Is it the tour manager for setting up like this this false hopes or is it the band that just kind of blindly follows? I think it's the Canadian school system. I think that's really the main difference. Like, if you think of the other bands that made it and them, it's not that Canada doesn't have the industry. It's that, like, they, uh, like, even the degree of, like, both of those guys are still homeowners. Like, that wouldn't happen for an American musician at that age, for sure. That didn't, like, have it all worked out. Like, I, I think there's maybe, like, that trusting nature I didn't really think about that while we were watching it, but now in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, they didn't have the person to be the bad cop. That's what a real good manager is supposed to do is be the bad cop for you so you get right. keep your hands clean. Right. I mean, and so many bands had that. Like Led Zeppelin had that famous manager that would like beat people up and hold them out of, you know, hotel windows and stuff. You have to have the the heavy. You have to have the muscle and the heavy. It can't be the band. And so we do see lips and a few times grabbing people by the by the neck, <laughs> by yeah. the, the you know, their lapels and like shaking them. But man, when you're all the way in the Czech Republic and the guy's like going to give you some goulash for free but not pay you isn't that's just insane. Okay, so I can speak to that from experience in the film of them getting lost for 2 hours in Prague trying to find a venue that's just like a former crypt or something. I've <laughs> definitely gone through that and I've definitely really? gone to yeah, like Man, my whole tour was like, it was just because I wanted to do it, essentially. No one in Europe seemed to care that it was going to be happening or who we were or anything. Uh, But a friend of ours was living in Prague and set up the show. But there was this phenomenon. It was like in this, like, the architecture in Prague is amazing, by the way. It's just worth going for that. But then trying to play the show in this weird, uh, like, underground masonry. And then basically the guy who set everything up, not, not not my friend, but the guy who was like the venue contact was like, had gone like camping and someone who had never done it before ended up doing our sound and nothing oh, no. was working at all. And I was trying to communicate mm. with that person to the point he was like texting the guy on his camping trip, trying to explain how to run a soundboard. And I, oh. like, I did not, get in anyone's face and fight them about money because I'm like, I like there is like 12 people here. This is like the best it's going to be. But I'm like, I at least need to be able to go through the PA. We are fucking like, we have no amps. Everything is, has to go DI. And then like, it's like I was sitting with him at the board and the faders were like moving up and down by themselves. I was like, what is this is not designed for live sound. That's like what if you're doing like Pro Tools or something, it'll do that. I'm like, why? Why are the buttons just like fucking fading up and down like ghost fading? I'm like, what is happening? That is not cool. Oh, my God. I I had I I have a similar story, but it was here in San Francisco. I was uh, I was um, asked to run sound for just one night at the Velvet Lounge on Broadway, which packed in about a thousand fucking people. And there was a band called the wonder bread five that just did cover songs of like black soul songs. And it was all white dudes in Afro wigs. First of all, 
problem number one. Right. And then they dressed in horrible 70s outfits and didn't even actually play their own instruments. They had dat tapes that played. This dates the story. Dat tapes? Yes. You're running dat tapes? They were running dat (laughs) tapes. Yes. And so I had to mix all that. There was two people that actually played and the singer actually sang and everything else was fake, including the horn section, even though they had three horn players. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out what the fuck had happened to the board from the night before. Because I went in a few days before and arranged everything how I liked it. Someone else went in and I think mixed a bunch of DJs and removed and did everything differently. And I went in, I couldn't figure it out. So about two songs in, the lead singer got a thousand people to look at me when I was up at the board and shout, sound guy, go home. Sound guy, go home. Because I couldn't figure out. That's a bold move when you are completely a lip sync band just to like yeah exactly if you if you could at least be like oh like we're gonna play up here and then figure out the rest like they depended on oh man they couldn't play they they weren't even some of them weren't even plugged in and so then one of the band members ran across the street to a different bar (laughs) got their sound guy to come (laughs) over and then the sound guy on the microphone said, there's no, we have no idea what's wrong with this thing. I can't fix it or whatever. And then I left because I was like, fuck you guys. But I went to the owner and I was like, you still have to pay me because that's yeah, bullshit. The owner they booked were you and not the band didn't book you. Yeah. Like that's, oh man. So many. No, it was the oh, owner yeah. booked me. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So. Live music. I mean, as much as we complain about it now, wouldn't it be nice to just oh. go see the shittiest lip sync I would do it now right now? Um, I would go see Wonder Bread 5 and I would let them just yell at me because I don't even care without masks on if we could. But it's live music that gives us fans like Cut Loose and Mad Dog, my friend. Oh, yeah. And they make the world go around. Pa- the early Patreon guys. fans, if ever there were. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Cut yeah. <laughs> Cut Loose and Mad Dog, dude. That's that little I'll, the bit. I love that. I love that when they have that cut to Cut Loose. I'm like, is Cut Loose going to give him? 13,000 pounds. It's like, nah, you yeah. can just try to sell sunglasses at my call center. <laughs> so, so talk for the people who haven't seen the doc, like, uh, illustrate that scene. Oh, right. So this is a guy who works, uh, lips works as a driver for, he's just basically providing school lunches to all like the school districts in Toronto or outside of Toronto. And then one of their mega fans, a mega Anvil fan who you meet early on, it turns out he runs a telemarketing center that's trying to sell sunglasses. And everyone is like really like up, uh, like, you know, getting real alpha male on it. And then Lips is just like, oh, I am a nice Jewish boy who's just a musician. I don't really, I don't, you're gonna, you're gonna love these sunglasses. It's like Keanu Reeves wore in the Matrix. And that's the selling point of the sunglasses. So uh, he does not make a single sale. And he's that's pretty much like my experience telemarketing. I went in for like three weeks just because like I know I'm going to get paid for the training at the very least. So I I lasted a day. I was just like lips. I lasted eight hours. It was the most I hated it so much. It was it ran completely antithetical to what I do and what I believe in in my DNA. I could not. Yeah, I was like my 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 like sort of crowning achievement was possibly hooking a girl who was maybe like 13 into almost convincing her dad to like help save the pandas. And then like they're just kept like I, I think someone just popped up over my 
my uh my cubicle wall and did the the finger spinning thing like keep them going reel them in reel them in i'm just like yeah. it's a child i'm talking to a child about pandas of course a child wants to say pandas but yeah, i was exactly. just like man i i maybe did it one more time after that and i'm just like it was like but uh i worked the people a lot of people that worked at that place i worked at had worked with boots riley at the other place that he based sorry to bother you on Oh, yeah, a wow. lot of people I knew were like in the punk scene in the 90s all worked at this call center and Boots Riley also worked there. And I think that was the oh, origin wow. of the, the concept for Sorry to Bother You, according to That's people I've talked to. I've not talked to Boots Riley, yeah. this, but I'm sure if I was like SDNA, he'd be like, yeah, SDNA. SDNA, yeah. that's the place. Yeah, it's so funny that Cut Loose, this crazy beard swilling, loud rock and roll metalhead Anvil fan, uh, the, in the next scene that you see him has like this dress shirt on and is the vice president of this like multi-level marketing pyramid scheme place that sells sunglasses. Did, did you ever see the movie 24 hour party people? Oh yes. yeah. Like my favorite thing in there. Well, not my favorite thing. One, one of the things I always took away from that is like, there was a guy who's just like a mailman who was like at all the shows. He's just like the right. local Manchester mailman. Who's just yeah. like a diehard punk. But it's just like a yeah. lifer. He's just like a lifer, a job guy, and then a punk right. on the side. To but those guys are always the ones that end up having the money, the house, the family, two cars, a vacation spot. Those are the guys that always get sneaky and end up like doing really well. It's almost never the band, the groupies, you know, the people that were cool when it was all happening, you know? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I do think like the young anvil they don't spend a lot of time on young anvil i mean the lyrics are pretty awful for the early anvil stuff i mean i think like yeah. musically it holds together but like the lyrics are just really asinine from what i could tell um so i i don't that might have been also a differentiator Oh, I think so. It's like they just like it's the difference between being good and great, you know, and there they just weren't Metallica who are great. I mean, like, yeah, not, different not styles my... completely, too. Right. Like Metallica did represent like a more thrash, like uh, just a much harder sound. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like they were like as metal as that type of metal could be in that time period, I guess. Well, what I've learned, though, in art is never be first. Man. <laughs> never be first. Good point. You will always lose. Always be second or third. Never be first, man. Yeah. If you have a great idea, sit on it until someone else tries it and they fuck up and then use their shit and then build on it and then you'll make a million. I would say the only exception is do be the first comedy documentary podcast. I think that is a place where you do want to be the first one and not the third. Exactly. One. All the others are just imi cheap <laughs> imitations. Um, so one of my favorite scenes, uh, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a billion, the Transylvania festival 2005 moment was pretty incredible. Um, all the backstage stuff and lips is seeing all his hears, but the, so the guitar player and their horrible Tatiana. manager get married, yeah. Tatiana, they get married and they show, uh, Anvil playing six, six, six. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like a little kid in a corner with the suit, like covering his ears. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like that it's sketch, so that SNL sketch with Dave Grohl and Fred Armisen. Do you remember that sketch? It's like um oh, yeah. a crisis of conformity <laughs> and it's just like uh, like instead of uh someone's blues funk band getting together at a wedding, it's like a hardcore band who's singing about like Alexander Haig and stuff. It's a very right. on point uh parody. It's a point where like 
he's like calling out all these like old Chicago people in in the bit. Yeah. Oh, they have reminded me of that scene a little bit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, this this documentary has just so much and it's like it's all the themes. Like let's talk about some themes cuz I feel like um Sasha did a great job of like stringing multiple themes together, mm-hmm. you know, which I think this doc could have lived alone and done really well with just following a couple of of them but like the person the idea of perseverance is huge in this documentary it's it's like it's so thematic in this and it's interesting to note now that like anvil's done well after this Mm -hmm. you know you kind of because there's so many times that they're like well they're 50 and they're still doing it and i love them he's my brother i'm gonna give him some money God, I hope he does it. This is, you know, and then the 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 other part is like Lips and, and Rob are just like, this is our time. This has to be our time. Like we see this so much in documentaries, you know. I feel like we and see that like, in the mirror. I feel like that uh, is yeah, like, well, okay. like, look, like I think the way I would have thought about this in 2008 versus now when I'm like deep in being a middle-aged person is very different. And uh, I like a, a review... It wasn't a review of this, but it was about an article I found from Entertainment Weekly when this around the time this came out, just about like documentaries. It was like this is less about like a music scene and more about just aging, right? This is like yeah. it's like boyhood, right? It's like boyhood turning into like middle aged manhood. It's very yeah. It's just like ah, and it it does feel like in a weird way it's gendered in the sense of like the way the women in the film sort of deal with life is just like, well, that was my phase when I had a, a mullet and now I'm a mom. And it's like, the, right. It's like these men that kind of hold on to these fantasies or in their case, it was like very close to a reality for them, but it, it was very close, but they, they still doing the never, never land Peter Pan thing, you know, no need to grow up, you yeah. know, just keep that, keep it alive because they can, they just, there's this feeling. It's like they tied their entire success into being famous and making money. Or their identities, That's, right? Like how, like another, identity. another classic. And anytime you see in real life, someone from a band just wearing their own band's merch. That's always like, right. Like that's always a, a classic moment. I've like had a bingo for that. Sometimes I do it just because I've ran out of t-shirts, but come on. Like it's yeah. the Anvil uh, uh, toque, as they say, uh, a beanie is like called the toque in Canada. Um, yes. Oh, also a lot of great stories. Sorry. I said I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> like just yelling sorry. at each other. Come on, man. I said I'm sorry. Yeah, the English countryside. You get one really uh, Liverpudlian on that one. <laughs> Come on, man. I said I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's just so amazing. I mean, the, and then it's like after it's all said and done, it's basically about the friendship, which is the grounding emotional target of Rob and Lips. You know, it's yeah, like they're closer than their partners. They're closer than Absolutely. either of them are to their wives. And yeah. I think like people that have been in bands, like it's this bizarre thing that's very hard to quantify. It's like it, you have seen each other kind of at your worst worst moments completely and you're kind of i have also but i've been having a weekly zoom drink sessions with old bandmates um when i was in the boneless children foundation and it's like my buddy dude brian the drummer was like well what about that you remember the time for like two years we didn't talk to each other and i literally was like no (laughs) i don't 
I had no memory whatsoever. I'm like, we've always been good friends. He's like, no, we hated each other for like two years and refused to talk to each other. Like, oh man, I didn't. Re- I didn't even remember. I was like, oh shit. And then he told me about it, and I was like, oh no. Oh, that's. I've right. been in. Um, so I think I brought brought this up before. I've been in a band with actual brothers in it, and like I've oh. I've seen a lot of blowups. Uh, yeah, I was in a band where it was like. Is two brothers, and then one of the brothers was dating the other person in the band. I was the only, and I lived with one. Like we all had a relationship to each other, but they were all like competing relationships. Essentially, oh, I was like, Jesus, yeah, no. I found my. I've also been in a band with a married couple that got divorced, and we're still in the band together. Uh, oh, I've been in so God. many like of these. Scenarios. Were you in Fleetwood Mac? What I've been in what so many happening? like weird. I kind of end up being third wheel in a lot of situations or Fuck. seventh wheel occasionally. It's been, oh man. Oh yeah. my God, that that sounds horrific. Um, okay, so what? So we're gonna uh, we're going to um, rate this movie on ten one to ten shitty managers. I love Anvil. It's one of my all-time favorite documentaries. I'm giving it 10 out of 10 shitty managers. How about I mean, I wish I could give them good managers because that's what they really need. Um, I mean, like, having... But 10 shitty managers... I'll tell you, like, having having Lips run your band is having 10 shitty managers. So I'm going to give it 10 shitty managers. Hopefully they've got management by now. Um, Yeah. Just the tour... The running around the train stations and not being able to get on the train, I'm like... Oh, I never thought that, like, because I thought I made a mistake by touring Europe in a rental car. But I'm like, I'm kind of glad I did that after watching that. I'm like, that actually was a better move. (laughs) Not just once, but like two or three times, or at least uh, there's probably more. We just see that in the dock, though, just a few I don't even get what's happening because they're missing trains and they have a van. So they're like kind of get the worst of both worlds. They're paying for a lot. Oh, man. Taziana. I mean just oh man so in the ending credits we see that she's start she was about to tour manage uh the scorpion go to taiwan which is like and, and then yeah, she's the size of hoping to get into opera yeah oh man <laughs> uh you know power to her i mean also that was another thing have you been on a tour with someone where one person is dating someone else who's like not in the band but is like helping the band no, no. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've haven't had too many horrible band relationship interpersonal stuff, but yeah, yeah I've like never dated it. someone I'm in a band with or anything, thankfully, but I, I was in a sketch comedy group with a couple and they were both AA. They met in oh, AA boy. and it was the worst thing I'd ever ever had to be a part of or even witness they would both scream at each other and then go to separate corners and scribble in notebooks and then look at each other and like growl and then like they would scribble in notebooks and we'd be like can we keep the rehearsal going and they're like we have to do this it's part of our program (laughs) like (laughs) like oh no Uh, well paco i do want to say um if we're still doing this podcast after 30 years it's fine if we quit just someone else tell us it's been long enough. You've you've done the work. You don't need to keep going. My thirty. My sister will give us money to keep. Oh going. well, if your sister Probably. will give us the money, then I'll keep doing it. <laughs> All right. So um, there we go. So Anvil, do it. Watch it. Uh, support these guys. It's it's interesting that um, apparently on the Fourth of July of this year, they're going to be part of the first Canadian metal streaming event 
ever. Them in like Voivod um, or something, yeah. Yeah, but that's this coming up 4th of July. I guess Anvil has a new song out celebrating Canada's uh, legalization of marijuana, and that became kind of a hit. Oh. So, so this is timely. This is very timely. Um, okay, so let's talk about Pitch a Doc. Do you uh, want to take us through a doc that you would like to see me make? Yeah, um, I was thinking about this last time. I had it on the tip of my tongue last time, and I somehow forgot. So this time I, I was thinking, um, actually, that uh, there would be, it's, it would be a very interesting documentary uh, about Patrice Cullors, who is like one of the people that started Black Lives Matter. Uh, um, my wife actually told me about her originally and we saw her speak before, but she became like a performance artist in the last few years, like went to grad school for performance art. So there's like a lot, it's really interesting person and interesting story of like someone who like is, you know, a, a major part of like a social movement that is going on now and is also taking this other, like is somehow integrating and living in this sort of world between and, uh, bridging like activism and performance mm -hmm. art. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, and she's still very young. So I mean, this could be done over several years. You probably, you know, capture a lot of stuff and put a, a really interesting thing together. But yeah, still very active person. Uh, yeah, I would say look. Her, she wrote a memoir oh. that uh, uh, came out I think four years ago. So yeah, uh, I'd say check out Patrice Scholars, and I someone should make a documentary about her. That's awesome. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing. I'd love to watch that. Um, I, I, you know, I I'd like to see a documentary about Fatty Arbuckle because I'm I'm a big fan. Yeah, and it fits into what's that, happening right now. Is that why you thought it of does? It, it is yes. why I thought of it because it's not true. Oh, it's not his. Okay, no, we've all been fed a lie. Um, but anyways, that's that's for the doctor. Oh yeah, because it happened in San Francisco, I, right? It happened at the St. Francis Hotel. Okay. Yeah, the, the the famous story. And um, I did see, the, I, I'm a big fan. I, I read uh, I, Fatty, which is a great book. And there was a time that I, me and Harmon Leon were writing a one-man show where I was going to play Fatty Arbuckle. And um, it never really took off. But I'm pretty fascinated by his entire story. Fatty Arbuckle in 1906, 07, 08 was making over a million dollars a year. Wow. Um, making movies Jeez. yeah can you imagine oh. that's insane amount of money for the early 19 aughts yeah. but his career was like completely destroyed because um these people wanted him destroyed they didn't like the fact that he was making that kind of money and he was a partier and they didn't they didn't like it um so anyways okay so uh that's awesome that is pitch a doc is there any anything coming up that you're excited for docs movies books whatevs uh no uh, I, I mean, I, maybe I haven't seen enough stuff, uh, recently. Uh, do you see anything that's appealing to you? There's a, there's a couple docs that are coming up. Uh, I saw that Sasha Gervasi, the director of Anvil is making a biopic about boy George. Oh, that's coming out. So, so maybe we could do that for biopsy. Yeah. Um, that would be kind of cool. I am very, very excited about Jamie Foxx's biopic about Mike Tyson. Oh yeah. I've heard you. Yeah. He's bulking up for that. He, I saw some pictures and he's like huge. I mean, Mike Tyson was gigantic. I mean, he was like a pit bull. He was so, you know, so yeah, uh, he's put on a lot of muscle for that. And it's just like, I, I just like, I love that kind of, those kind of stories. And I was a huge Mike Tyson fan when I was you know, my twenties. Yeah. And, um, so looking forward to that. I love Jamie Foxx too. That guy is so freaking talented. 
like Ray is such a great movie. Yet another biopsy we could do, you know. Um, okay, so uh, Subdoc news and updates. That's my news sound. All ships at sea. Subdoc news. Hey. Oh yeah. Is that? Uh, well, this is interesting. We were. I know. After all that lead up, I'm just like, what are you talking about? Oh, um, we found that we were at one point number 72 in film reviews on Apple, which is Hell look, yeah. breaking the top 200 is rare enough. But uh, yeah. yeah, somehow that happened. Uh, I know, like we awesome. we got a, some listens in like Denmark. We got a couple. I mean, maybe it's because we talked about the Noma restaurant. That could have been some of it. Maybe. But I think it's mostly yeah. probably our friend Andreas who lives in Denmark. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's right. Andreas. <laughs> Thank you, Andreas. Thank you, Andreas. Uh, and then, I, yeah, like a couple countries we do well in, but it was surprising overall to get. Australia loves us. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, you know. They love English. us They in love Australia. documentaries in Australia, so it totally makes sense. You know what I've been seeing on our um, our analytics is that um, lots of people have been listening to the Adam Failer. Uh, oh, that interview. makes sense. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because it's like Jawbreaker has fans everywhere. That's probably what it is. Oh, okay. and also it's about Kurt yeah. Cobain, and that no one's gonna stop right. talking about that guy. That's true. Oh, that is speaking true. of Kurt Cobain. This is not a news item about a documentary. Someone ran all of Nirvana's lyrics through an AI. And produced Uh-oh. a new Nirvana song. I can put oh, a link. Man. I got to put a link to this in the show notes. It's like the music is just kind of like a mishmash of other Nirvana songs, but the lyrics yeah. are just like, like I think that the chorus is like, "I learned to shoot his gun. I'm doing all right, mosquitoes, or something like that." That's basically what the, the song <laughs> lyrics are. Like. Wow, it sounds just yeah, like him. Yeah. I I uh, I was writing a new bit about how Kurt Cobain would be a Trumper now. Oh, you know, did, did you want to give us more, more of that bit? <laughs> uh, it's just like he'd be 50. He'd be 51, 52 right now. He'd rich. be rich and famous and he'd be a conservative and he'd be kind of a libertarian. now. I mean, can't you just well, see he'd be like, fuck that sweater days of MTV unplugged. Like I was a stupid kid doing smack, well, you know, like now it's about. Yeah. I mean, if you I don't know if you saw that Chris Novoselic from Nirvana did uh, say Trump That's did a right. good job. That's so right. I that's the, that's as close as of an experience as that will be like pretty much like I think in the same day, like that happened. And then the magic castle got shit for like letting the cops park there. So I'm just like, well, right. yeah, uh, we just lost uh, the magic castle in Nirvana to, to the cancel gods. <laughs> so there we, there go. we go. And some Christopher Columbus statues. Thank God. Yeah. Um, all right. So, George, this was awesome. Anvil. Watch it. Uh, people can watch it on Amazon Prime. Um, you can buy it still. Uh, I think that's the only place I saw that it was streaming. Yep. Um, but I am super glad we did this because I love this doc. And this has been fun. We've, we're going through some classic. We're doing classic bite-sized uh, episodes with some classic docs. And um, I'm thrilled. So anything else? Nah, man. We, we, got, we got a lot of documentaries to watch. That's all I got to say. There's so many. We do. And if you have... If people are listening, hit us up on social media. Let us know what docs we should be doing, what guests we should be having. If you like the show, if you don't like the show, whatever. Let us know what's happening. We got Nick is here, uh, producer intern. Thank you so much, Nick, for helping us out. And um, we'll check talk us to you out soon. On, Keep watching. Check out docs. our Patreon. Patreon Sub Doc Podcast. 
Hey, thanks for listening. You can find out more about SupDoc at SupDocPodcast.com. We've been recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel, and our show was engineered by Will Scoble. For as little as a buck a month, you can donate to this show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash SupDocPodcast. If you want to help us out in other ways, please share the show with friends. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Find out more about Paco and George's comedy gigs on the About Us page on our website. SupDoc is by Doc fans for Doc fans. So if you want to advertise with SupDoc, got a film you want to recommend, or any opinions, please hit us up. Email us at subdocpodcast at gmail.com.